Awesome, awesome. If you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul is writing a letter in response to a church at Corinth. If you've been here the past couple of weeks, uh, and even if you haven't, you can always catch up online uh, with our teaching series. Uh, Corinth is the worst city in the world, right? It's filled with sin and vice and every kind of thing you could imagine. And Paul goes, let's plant a church there. And over the next five years, Paul has this series of correspondence with this church as they encounter issues and questions and problems. And occasionally, people report to Paul about issues that are happening. In chapter 1, Paul says, Chloe has given me a report. Chloe, that tattletale, that rat is reporting on things that are happening in the Corinthian church. Here's what he says in verse 12 of chapter 1. Chloe's told me that some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. And others are saying, well, I'm a follower of Apollos. Or I follow Peter. Or I follow only Christ. We think probably Paul added that last one. Paul looks at this, this report that he's getting from this church, struggling with all these issues. And what he sees is a a report about division and factions. And then he asked a really important question. And this question for the church has stood the test of time. It's a question that we should still be asking. His question is, has Christ been divided? Has Christ been divided? So let's talk about this idea of uh, of divisions. Uh, I want to do it by asking you a couple of questions. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you choose. I'm going to put some images on the screen, and I, I want you to choose the one that you would choose, the one that you prefer, okay? So here's the very first one, mountains or beach. Which one? Wrong, mountains, of course. All right, let's do the next one, sports teams. Florida State. Uh, how about Alabama or anyone else? Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, here, uh, let's do another one. All right, this is Boston or Britney Spears. All right, some of you are thinking, like, where did he get Britney Spears? This is for a very specific someone in our church fellowship right now who is not speaking up, right? I'll let you discover who it is. Um, All right, let's get a little bit more personal. Let's go to the next one. Now everybody's, oh, we don't talk about, we don't talk. Okay, what about the next one? Hymns or contemporary worship? (laughs) I grew up in a church where, like, even, like, the women on stage and, like, the whole guitar thing would not just not happening. Okay, um, let's keep going. This is, this is fun. All right, put up the next one. All right, I got Andy Stanley or Joel Osteen. Andy Stanley, Joel Osteen. All right, one more. Billy Graham or Adam Caulfield? Why are you laughing? Yeah, I chose Billy Graham too. Okay. 
Let me show you this list. Franklin Vineyard Church, New Hope Community Church, Cross Point Church, Journey Fellowship Church, Franklin Christian Church, Five Stone Church, Generation Church, Grace Church, Aspen Grove Christian Church, Church of the City, Harpeth Christian Church, New Song Church, Franklin Christian Church. Is that on there twice? Ah, oh, not on purpose. Franklin First UMC, Clearview Baptist, Brentwood Baptist. Did I miss any? <laughs> yeah. All within, what, three miles of here. Which one would you choose? Okay, clearly. Remember Paul's question? Put it on the screen. Has Christ been divided into factions? What do you think? I think we love to choose, right? I think we love to have that choice. I, I think we love to align ourselves with, with ideas. And, and, and I, I, I think there's something about that that's exciting and engaging for us. True or false, the powers and authorities of this world, not all of them earthly, thrive off of division. True or false? Side note, when you, uh, just a, just this important side note for me, when you look at that list of a million churches, how confusing is that for non-Christians? Sometimes I meet with people who are struggling with their faith or, or don't know what they believe, and they don't know what to even call it when they see, like, okay, a, a, a huge list of churches. Where do I even start? Where do I even go? And sometimes the question they ask is, what team do you play for? Has Christ been divided into factions? I'm going to ask some ladies to come up here, and uh, they're going to they're gonna help me demonstrate a point here in just a minute. And while, uh, while you, you ladies can go ahead and come up, it's fine. While they come up, I want to share a verse with you. It's the very next verse. It's in chapter 1, verse 10. In response to some going, I follow Paul, I follow Billy Graham, I follow Apollos. Here's what Paul says. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, a term of endearment, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in, what's the word? All right, so harmony is not something I want to talk about or teach, but it's something to be experienced. So here's what, here's what I want you to do. If you trust me, just, just go ahead and close your eyes for a second, and I want you to listen. Give him a hand. Yeah. 
What was that? The Eagles. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. It was harmony. It was harmony. And one of the things I love about this, I love that the, the New Living Translation says, seek harmony. Paul tells them to live in harmony with each other. And I love this idea of harmony like because, because you know it when you see it, right? Or, or you know it when you hear it. How many of you got stinglies right then? The, those little things down here or goose pimples, goose, I don't know, what do you call those things? I mean, yeah, goosebumps, tinglies, stinglies, whatever. That, did that happen to you? Yeah, yeah. And I love this idea. I love that he uses the idea of harmony because who was leading? Yeah. Did they have to pay attention to each other and, and, and work together and listen to each other? Paul says, this is what I wish for you. This is what I wish for the church, that it would live in harmony. And I love the idea that, that harmony has a sound, but he also he goes a little bit further. He says, live in harmony and let there be no divisions in the church. Because he knows that harmony has a sound, but divisions also has a sound. Literally, that word he uses for division, it's this. And the question he asked the people of the Corinthian church is a question for us today too. Which are you? Are you a divider? Are you seeking harmony? Are you a ripper or a mender? That word harmony, it's kind of, it's kind of like knitting something back together. He goes a little bit further, said, let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind. Remember last week we talked about a really specific mind, right? The mind of Christ. That's the mind I want you to have. United in thought and purpose. Now, I don't know, it's just my opinion, maybe it's just my perspective, but I think this idea of harmony, this idea of unity, I feel like we've screwed it up pretty bad. Or sometimes we screw it up pretty bad. But according to Paul, we can get it back. The cause of unity, for, uh, at least according to Paul, for the Corinthian church, required two really specific things. Let's look at chapter 3, verses uh, 10 and 11. Here's what Paul says. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation, like an expert builder, now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful for no one can lay a foundation other than the one we already have. And what is the foundation? Jesus Christ. Sometimes I, I talk to churches um, that are, that are looking for ministers, they're looking for pastors. I've been in ministry for a long time now, and, and so I'm kind of in a network with ministers. And so when, when a church loses a pastor or a minister, when, they, when they're looking for somebody, we all call each other and say, hey, who have you got? Have you got anybody you could recommend? You, you know, that kind of stuff. And one of the things that happens, and, and I don't know if you're aware of this or see this, uh, but one of the things that happens in churches is this, uh, this, this feeling, this sense of if we could just get the right guy, 
I can't tell you how many church search teams that I've talked to or been a part of or asked to consult with that, that when I go in and I talk with them and say, what are you looking for? They say, man, if we could just get the right guy. If we could get somebody with the passion of Billy Graham or the ability to communicate like Andy Stanley, man, that would make it for our church. That would be it. And every single time I hear that kind of right guy attitude, I I try to squash it and just put my boot on it and stomp it. Have you seen this in churches where they elevate the man or the woman over the mission? Where it becomes all about a personality And that's incredibly dangerous in churches because if you build a church around the right guy, what happens when that right guy doesn't work at that church anymore? What happens when he gets sick on Easter morning? You know, like, yeah, call him the other right guy. Yeah, what happens when you you build a church around Apollos or Paul? What happens? You create something that's not repeatable, right? And not sustainable. Like it has a life expectancy, right? And when the next guy comes in, then everybody lines up. Like have you seen the American Idol of preachers that happen sometimes in churches? Well, I really like this guy. Well, I really like this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like have you seen this happen and cause division in churches. Paul says, look, this thing is not about the man. It should always be about the mission. The mission of Jesus Christ. If the mission of God, if Jesus Christ is front and center of the church, like we say our heartbeat at Aspen Grove is to grow followers of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. And if that mission permeates every single one of you, can I give you some honest truth? If that mission permeates every single Christian in the church, it won't matter who preaches every week. It's the truth. It's the truth. And it won't change with who comes in and out every week. And Paul says, look, your foundation is Christ Jesus. His mission and his purpose above anything and especially above anyone. And he goes on to say, hey, if if you read a little bit further, he says that foundation actually will be tested. And we've seen some of this play out in churches. Like, is it about the man or is it about the mission? Jesus himself kind of talks about this idea after the end of his great sermon on the mount. He tells a story about building on the rock or building on what? And he said, this is all about putting my mission, obeying my teachings putting me front and center. And he says, which will you do? And he said, if it comes about somebody else or something else, then you're building on the sand. You're you're building on really tenuous ground. And so if we're to achieve this cause of unity, if we're to find harmony in the churches, we must again 
build around a foundation of Jesus Christ and him alone. So that's the first thing we need for harmony, according to Paul, speaking to the church of Corinth. He says, first and foremost, if you're going to build it around anybody, build it around Jesus Christ. The second thing he says that a church needs for harmony comes in uh, verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. He goes back to this question. He says, after all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? He says, we are only, what are those two words? We're God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us, all we did was the work the Lord gave us. And I love this. I love this example. I use it all the time. He says, I planted the seeds in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. And you know what's not important? What's not important is who plants it. And what's not important is who waters it. But what is important is that God makes the seed grow. Look at this next image. Included some of these amazing speakers and teachers, Billy Graham and Martin Luther, Barton Stone and Alexander Campbell, John Calvin. How did Britney Spears get in there? Sorry, that's a typo error. Just take her out. John Wesley, Andy Stanley, Adam Caulfield. Let me, let me hit you with, like, like, these are some pretty impressive, some more than others, impressive characters in the life of the church. True? Let me hit you with a big truth. Not one of them changed a single human heart. Never happened. Not one of them did. Not one of them has the power to change a human heart. God alone created human hearts, and he alone can recreate them. That's why Paul's words are so incredibly important. He says in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. He says we're just servants. I love the story of, uh, that, that Francis Chan, Chan tells. You guys know who Francis Chan is? Another amazing bald preacher. Uh, my wife calls him Jackie Chan. She gets them mixed up. Um, Francis Chan, uh, I, I think amazing teacher, amazing communicator and church planner, amazing disciple maker. But there was a season that he really stepped out of, he really stepped out of ministry. He really stepped, like, like when his book sales were exploding and, and he was asked to speak at all of these conferences, there was a moment that he really turned his back on all of that and, and stepped away from everything for a while. And, and he can tell you the exact moment it was. His star and his fame were rising, and he was invited to speak at this amazing, uh, well-intended church conference, right? It was held in a huge arena that seated thousands of people, and he was so glad and excited to speak there. He felt incredibly honored, and when he walked into this arena, this event center, he looked, and he noticed that on 
every single chair, literally thousands of chairs, they had put like a flyer, a bulletin about the event. And on the front page of this printed thing, in every single, in thousands of seats, was a blown up, close up picture of his face. That's the moment he knew that he needed to step out of the limelight. Because he knew that his job was just to plant the seeds. That only God can make it. Paul reflects that, that desire a little bit further in chapter 4. If you read along, he says, honestly, my deepest desire is to be found faithful before God. All human assessments of him really didn't matter for much. And so when we talk about harmony in the church, in the big church, when we talk about these ideas of unity, Paul says you really need two things. Remember what they are. First, a foundation in Jesus Christ. And second, leaders who are servants. In your work environment, in your, in your space, in your world, here's what I would encourage you. Only ever elevate leaders who are servants. And if you have somehow like aligned yourself to a leader who is in some way not a servant, maybe you should reevaluate that relationship. Because Paul plants the seed, Apollos waters it. But ultimately, the power to make it grow belongs to God and God alone. And here's where Paul gets really poetic, just as we, we wrap up. In chapter 3, verses 21 through 23, Paul does this thing in this letter. Like, like sometimes he's just responding to an issue they have, but then sometimes his thoughts go to this whole other place, this whole other realm, become, become incredibly beautiful and, and like I said, I, I think poetic. And Paul kind of looks at this whole idea and says this. He says, so don't boast about following a particular human leader. He says, for everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future, everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. These are deep words to ponder. If you're looking for something to meditate on this week, meditate on these words. Everything belongs to you. Do you believe that? Do you live like that? And he says, when you belong to Christ, Christ belongs to you, and, and there's not a whole lot that can compare with that. In fact, nothing can. He says, identifying with some party is, is always, whether it's a Paul or a Paulus or life or death, 
He says, identification with these things is just a form of slavery by those who should be rulers. He says, no more picking and choosing. No more lining up behind people and ideas that are as inconsistent as the wind. He says, you don't belong to them. These things belong to you. Think about that. If you have Christ, what is there that can compare to that? Why settle for anything else? So I'll just have a few questions as, as we get ready to close. This is, really, this is really good grammar, but trying to communicate something. Where have you belonged yourself this week? Where have you given your focus and your energy and your time? I think maybe today is your chance Who here today is ready to pledge their allegiance to Christ and Christ alone? We just sang it, right? Does Christ hold that center place in your heart? Does it hold the center place in your schedule? When you make decisions, is Christ front and center? Or are you trying to manage some sort of divided allegiance? In just a moment, I'll say a prayer. We've got the, the tables of communion set up around the room. You'll, there'll be instructions on the screen. But, but I invite you this morning to pledge your allegiance again. If there's ways that we can help you do that, maybe there's sins that, that have been being front and center Maybe God's calling you to repent of some of those things this morning, to let go of some stuff. If I'll just stand up here at the front if there's ways I can pray for you or this ways this church can serve you. We want to do that. And I hope that you'll take this call incredibly seriously. Father God, let's pray together. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for, for your word. God, forgive us for the divisions that exist. The idea of harmony in the church almost seems, it almost seems crazy. It almost seems impossible because there, there's, there's so much going on, so much being pulled in a million different directions. And so, Father God, let a, let a spirit of harmony and unity start here. Let it start with our leaders and our members. Let us again pursue harmony and unity. Help us to believe that it's possible, but help us to see that it's only possible by having you as a true foundation. Father God, sometimes our lives look like anything but harmony. So this morning, help us to repent of those things that, that we've aligned ourselves with. Help us to come before you and you alone again. Help us to place you front and center in our life. Father God, forgive us of our many sins. 
Help us as we take this bread and this cup to remember the sacrifice you made in sacrificing your son so that we could be united with you again. Father God, maybe it could be a new day. Let us start again. We love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, I invite you to stand and enjoy a time of communion together.